Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Tuesday, and uh, I'm excited that you guys are here because, as always, I want to encourage you. I want to just build you up and just hopefully bring us back to a place of trusting in the Lord. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Are you weary? I hear that word everywhere I go these days. People are weary from the pandemic, weary from what's happening in our schools, weary from what's happening in our state capital, and perhaps most of all, people are weary from the feckless leadership in Washington, D.C., But I've got good news for you guys. My name is Heidi St. John, and I'm running for Congress in Washington's 3rd Congressional District. I need your support so I can be your voice in Washington, D.C., and together we can bring sanity and hope back to this weary land. To join my team, please visit me online, HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. I would like to start today. So you guys know I love uh, reading devotionals. So I've got a brand new devotional coming out for you guys next year. I cannot wait for you guys to see it. You're going to love it. Uh, but one of my favorite devotionals, it was written by a guy named uh, Paul David Tripps called New Morning Mercies. I've had this book for years and years. So a little uh, devotion every day. And I read it the other day and I thought, this this is so good. Everybody needs to know what this particular devotion is because I think it's so important for right now. With everything that's going on in the culture right now, Uh, I think it's really easy for us to get distracted, for us to become discouraged, to forget that God is in control. I mean, look at the headlines that just came in over the weekend. Uh, We've got a lot that we're up against right now in the culture, but the Bible reminds us that the Lord never changes. And in Psalm 136, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his faithfulness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods for his faithfulness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his faithfulness is, you guessed it, everlasting. To him who alone does great wonders for his faithfulness is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill for his faithfulness is everlasting. To him who spread out the earth above the waters for his faithfulness is everlasting. To him who made the great lights, his faithfulness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day, for his faithfulness is everlasting. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his faithfulness is everlasting. To him who struck the Egyptians, that is their firstborn, for his faithfulness is everlasting and brought Israel out from their midst. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his faithfulness is everlasting. To him who divided the Red Sea in parts, his faithfulness is everlasting and allowed Israel to pass through the midst of it. His faithfulness is everlasting. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his faithfulness is everlasting. To him who struck great kings, for his faithfulness is everlasting, and brought death to mighty kings. His faithfulness is everlasting. Are you guys getting a little bit of a a picture of who God is? You see, God isn't going to change. He's going to stay the same 
yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one who gives victory. He's the one who ushers in defeat. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to rest in the knowledge of who he is. And I hear a lot of people right now in the midst of trial and tribulation. And you guys heard me uh, last week with Dennis Cummins on the show talking about why it's so important for the church to engage. And I keep hearing people say, but it's hard right now. There's not a grace over it. Listen, you don't wait for grace and then do what God has told you to do. Paul David Tripp says you get enabling grace in motion. So in other words, as you're moving, I've often told my children over the years, you know, we can't pass on what we don't possess. And the grace that you need for the moment that you dread isn't going to be there until you're there yourself. The grace is found in the moment, not before. And Moses didn't understand this. Gideon didn't get it. The fearful army of Israel didn't understand it. The disciples in hiding after the death of Jesus didn't understand it. And many of us are in panic mode today, right now, because we don't understand this. You see, God's grace provides us with everything that we will require. His grace is form-fitted for every moment that we need it. God's grace is multifaceted, it's expansive, but it's also focused and personal. You see, God in grace doesn't just forgive you. He also empowers you to do whatever it is he's calling you to do. But he gives you his grace as you follow him at the moment that you need it. And uh, it's always been hard for the people of God to rest in the reality of grace in motion, right? And there's no better example of this than when the children of Israel found themselves at the Red Sea with an angry army of Egyptians bearing down on them. Listen to this, you guys, from Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. You guys, I often think I wouldn't be like the Israelites if I had seen God part the Red Sea and watched him drown the entire whole of the Egyptian army before my eyes. But the Bible records that not long after God rescued them from Pharaoh, they forgot 
about the wondrous things that he had done. Even though the Israelites had just experienced God's miracles that secured their escape from the slavery of Israel, the children of Israel, when they were stuck between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army with no means of altering their circumstances, descended into a complete panic. Poor Moses. He had to lead these yahoos. Can you imagine? You know, Moses, save us. Never mind, Moses. You just brought us out here to die. (laughs) They were convinced that Moses had dragged them out into the wilderness to die. But God knew what he was doing, and he knows what he's doing right now. He knows what he's doing in the midst of all this stuff. The question is, are we going to listen? Are we going to follow him? God knew what he was doing when the Israelites were facing the Egyptians. He had manufactured the whole situation to demonstrate his glory to the people and to defeat the Egyptian army. And if it is necessary to part the waters of the Red Sea, he will do that for us again. You see, what he does not do is tell them what's going to happen beforehand. Why? Because he's working in them as he works in us to craft them into a people of robust and sturdy faith. He's calling us to follow, and willingly, as we follow, he unleashes his grace in motion every step of the way. Why? Because his faithfulness is everlasting. This is what we read out of Psalm 137. His faithfulness is everlasting, right? And it tells the story. This is David telling the story. And he's saying, he's telling the story of the Israelites. And he's saying, you guys, why are you worrying? His faithfulness is everlasting. Did you forget what God did for the Israelites? His faithfulness is everlasting. And just like he showed up for the Israelites, he will show up for us. He's good like that. This is God's heart for you today. So no matter what you're facing, I think it's important for us to stop whining and start looking to the heavens. And realizing that the faithfulness of God is going to follow us wherever he takes us. His grace will follow us there. It's never been more important than it is right now. You guys, you can't pass on what you don't possess. So what are you teaching your children about where we are right now? I want want my children to know that God can be trusted. And his grace is a grace in motion. And I want to be in motion also. I'm going to get to one question today. Uh, This one came in from Marie in Kansas City, Kansas City being one of my favorite places in the whole wide world, one of my favorite churches, Abundant Life Church, under the shepherding of my dear friend, Pastor Phil Hopper. And uh, this question came in, Heidi, my question has to do with alcohol and kids. I don't believe that drinking is a sin. However, my ex-husband is an alcoholic along with two of my siblings. Alcoholism has caused a lot of pain and division in my family. I myself have been a drinker. I recently made some new friends who are constantly pushing me as a single mom. I appreciate them. However, any event that they have, which includes multiple children, also involves social drinking. I am already sensitive to alcohol and do not want to be judgmental, and I appreciate these people. However, when I see the men drinking two to three beers and start to act differently, it triggers me, and I really don't have an interest in fellowshipping with them when it includes alcohol. Is it normal for believers to associate so much with alcohol? Wow. So that is a great question, and I think uh, 
the the question or the answer right now is yes. I think it's very, very normal. 20 years ago, not so much. 30 years ago, absolutely not, because then we decided that alcohol was a sin. And now we've come out on the other side of it, and we have so much liberty in this area that unfortunately, I do think it's causing some pain and some hardship. And this is a very, very divisive issue inside the church. It's been this way for quite some time. And there, there, you know, we sit basically in two in two camps, right? The first one would say, "Hey, Jesus himself drank," and the other one would say, uh, "Alcohol is addictive; it's destructive," as you have rightly pointed out. And she, and then you go on to say, "Hey, there isn't a sincere Christian who uh, could use it to any degree." And honestly, I appreciate your position in this because I think you're doing a very good job of recognizing that it's the drunkenness that is the sin. So I think we want to be very, very careful, and I believe that this uh, question has been asked this way, not to be judgmental. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, to be careful how we walk. This is the Apostle Paul. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. He's saying to be careful, and then he's explaining what he means uh, in the following clauses, not as unwise, but wise, not foolish but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then if you go to verse 18, he says, do not get drunk with wine, but rather be filled by the Holy Spirit. So he's telling you these are some negative things. Then he's following up with a positive wine, you know, a positive on uh, for us to follow. He says, don't get drunk with wine. You guys, any questions? No, it seems clear enough, right? And I think we forget sometimes that our children are watching us. And I think, boy, you guys, especially if children are involved, be careful, be careful. We are, we are not called to be like the world. And I think right now it is so easy for us, especially given the fact that so many are suffering right now and alcohol is a very, it's very readily available. It's very easy to turn to. And we can either address the suffering that we're headed into right now by numbing our senses and by drinking to sort of take off the edge. And before we know it, we've, we've drunk too much. And drunkenness is really part of the night and we are of the day. And we are to be sober. Romans 13, verses 12 and 13, the night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not carousing and in drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife or jealousy. You see, the culture addresses drunkenness as an addiction which is the result of the disease that is alcoholism, but God's word calls it sin, not a disease. And I think this is where, you know, we need to be honest about it. And I really appreciate you guys. It's not, the drinking is not the problem. It's the lack of self-control that is the problem. And if we notice that we have an issue with self-control, we decide how is it affecting the people around us? If someone decides to drink, they need to guard against the progressive nature of drinking right? The tendency is to think if one drink is good, then two drinks are better. And after two drinks, we don't even, you know, we lose our self-control. And remember also the advice that uh, Paul gives us about being a stumbling block to others in 1 Corinthians 10. So the question we always want to ask ourselves is not the question of, is it permissible? Because it is permissible, right? The alcohol is not, the drinking is not the sin. 
It's the drunkenness. And so the question is not what's permissible. That's a very self-centered approach. Instead, we need to be asking how our choices uh, might impact the people that are around us. And I think that is the right attitude. And so to go back to your question, I love that you asked uh, the question, Marie. So to go back to your question, I would say it probably would be a good idea for you to talk to the people that are inviting you out. I'm sure that they're not uh, they're not meaning to hurt you. And if you see something that's happening that is dishonoring to the Lord, it's a good thing to say that. It's a good thing to say, "Hey man, I you know, I saw this and it's just uh it's 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 causing me to uh to be sad. It's causing me to stumble." The Bible's very clear that mature Christians should avoid causing other people to stumble. And it doesn't it it doesn't just have to do with uh drinking and drunkenness. It has to do with anything that might bring dishonor upon the name of the Lord. Max Lucado said, one thing for sure, I've never heard anyone say, a beer makes me feel more Christ-like. We might say, a beer makes me feel more relaxed, but we're not going to hear anybody say, a beer makes me feel more Christ-like. Fact of the matter is, people don't associate with beer with Christian behavior. And I think it's interesting how divisive, you know, when I, when I was growing up, uh, you know, alcohol was the sin and it was the big, and I know there are a lot of you that listen to this, that disagree with me on this issue and that's okay. We can still be friends. I don't believe that drinking is the sin. I agree with the Bible. Drunkenness is the sin. We need to be very, very careful of the, uh, example that we set for our children. My husband and I decided a long time ago that it was all right for us to have alcohol in our home. And we felt it was a good thing for our children to see us drinking responsibly, to have a glass of wine with our dinner, uh, whatever. And I do not see that as a sin. Now I know a lot of you listening to this are, you know, freaking out right now and you're going to email me, uh, which you don't need to, because you're you're not going to change my mind on it. Uh, I think that the God's word is very, very clear. But the moment we recognize that we can no longer have self-control, we have fallen into sin. And you can say, well, alcoholism is a disease. Yes, it is. But it starts with the sin of a lack of self-control. And we need to be talking honestly about what that looks like. And so before you guys start you know, attacking everybody, I, I have people in my family whose lives have been completely wrecked by alcohol. Uh, and the future that they dreamed that they, that they dreamed when they got married, when they were in their twenties was stolen from them because of an abuse of alcohol. And so we want to be very, very careful. This is the same thing with any kind of a thing that could be addictive. I've talked to people who have had sexual addiction. People have been addicted to painkillers. People have been, I know people who have been addicted to, uh, video games. So can we please stop talking about alcohol as if it's the only thing that causes addiction? There are many, many things in the world right now. And we want to be walking out our lives in a way that our children can model what we're doing and know that they are walking into uh, a place of right relationship with the Lord. And so we want to, we want, I don't don't know about you guys, but I want to model for my children um, what it means to walk with the Lord. Does that mean I've done everything perfectly? Absolutely not. Have my kids seen me fail? Yes. But what we don't want is for our kids to see us fail over and over and over again. And I know that a lot of you are frustrated by what's happening in the culture right now. There's a lot of fear in the air. Listen, I, I have, I'm afraid too, oftentimes. I look around me and I think, oh man, you know, so many things that are so challenging right now. 
But the fact of the matter is, is Jesus said that he came to set us free. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so we want to handle this this topic uh, with honor to the Lord and to be uh, caring about the people that are around us. And so have the conversations that need to be had. And uh, and let's not be casting stones at each other unnecessarily, right? This is what we've done. We talk about, it doesn't matter what divisive issue it could be. It could be birth control. It can be uh, alcohol. It could be, I don't know, a number of things. You know, music, how we dress, what what one person thinks is not modest, another person would think, no, it's totally modest. So the the question always has to come back to, what does the Lord want me to do? What is it that, am, am I being careful? Am I being careful of my witness? Am I being careful of the fact that I am therefore Christ's ambassador as if he is making his appeal through me? And does that, is that come across in my life? So remember, it isn't alcohol that's the issue. Alcohol can become the issue just like anything else in our lives. And the question is, are we or are we not listening to and sold out to the Holy Spirit? That's the question. And Marie, I really appreciate you writing in. You guys, I love these questions. I think the the hard questions are, are probably one of my most favorite ones to answer, even though I get, um, I'm taking a lot of heat for it uh, at the show sometimes. But uh, as I have been raising children now for 30 years and the areas of my life that have been so challenged by my children, and there've been a lot of them, challenged by my kids, Almost always, the issues will will stem from my unwillingness or even a blindness toward realizing, okay, that's a self-control issue. This comes down to self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Don't let anything else control you. I don't care what it is. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. As soon as we let something else control us, we can't hear from Him anymore. And we drown out that still small voice. And that's what we want to be careful not to do. All right. I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. As always, we love it when you leave reviews for the show over at iTunes and for my books, anywhere the books are sold. And uh, we would sure appreciate your financial support of this ministry. I will link back to how you can do that in the show notes today. It is also getting to be that time of year when we love to get your letters and your cards and your support here at the show. And you guys can reach out to me. I'm going to give you my snail mail address. You know, my love of getting things in the mail. Are you ready? It is the Heidi St. John Podcast, 11100, Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we're going to have next week coming on the show some really great Christmas gifts I- ideas. Normally, I put links up to Amazon and I tell you about some of my favorite things. This year, we're going to be partnering with some patriots who are really putting their money towards kingdom things. And so uh, I'm going to start giving you guys gifts ahead of time. So you can be thinking ahead to Christmas and not get stuck in that uh, supply line shortage, which is absolutely happening right now here in the United States and around the world. We love you guys. Have a great day. I hope you will love your families well. And I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.